the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. A lot going on. This is a big week for financial data starting today. Producer price index, then tomorrow's CPI, consumer price index, then Friday retail sales. But most importantly, what would cause the Fed to pivot? What would cause the Fed to say, we're going to stop raising interest rates? We started seeing it, but it's not fulfilled yet. It is the job offerings, the JOLTS report, the number of vacancies for unfilled jobs reached a staggering 12 million earlier this year, double the number of apparent job seekers. It is a highly inflationary uh, rule. I don't want to get into too many economic rules because I'm going to lose you fast if I start talking about the SAM rule, the Keynesian doctrine. But the jolts, the job openings, how many job openings for how many job seekers? When it's two to one, it's way too high. You are in power of getting a raise. Someone that I work with on my podcast, uh, he was shopping around, he was shopping around, and he just got a raise and went to another place. So I'm going to lose my podcast producer because he was shopping around because there was a job opening in another company. Now that job opening's closed. Interesting, right? You see how it works? So I'm going to have to get someone to work on my podcast who wants another hour per day on their work schedule. Because he just took a full-time position elsewhere. Job openings are a big indicator. And in the last Jolts report, we saw a shrinkage from that record number. It's been distorted largely due to the pandemic and COVID. Inflation impulse is fading fast. But when will the Fed pivot? It's probably not the November meeting. But the November meeting, if the JOLTS report continues to come down, could be maybe one of the last big moves by the Fed. Now, I'm not making a prediction. I'm not telling you it's going to be all clear sometimes after November and early December. I can tell you Jerome Powell does not want to be the Arthur Burns of the 1970s. He wants to be the Paul Volcker who beats inflation. It's pretty interesting to see how the international financial system is interconnected in ways that the U.S. Federal Reserve is really messing with other dynamics and economies outside of the United States. Ben Bernanke, Nobel Prize laureate, as of yesterday. 
how quantitative easing and quantitative tightening works is not for the radio show. It's not for the podcast. Fed model misunderstands the potency of quantitative tightening. They've been screaming from the rooftops that key measures money supply are collapsing on both sides of the Atlantic. You've seen the Bank of England do some crazy stuff in the last couple of days to keep their monetary system working. And the broad broadness, the broad swath, how am I supposed to say this? The broad way that the dollar plays out internationally, um, it's hurting the world right now because we're quantitatively tightening. It's going to be an interesting three weeks, I would say, till the next Fed meeting because we're also in election season. That's pretty nutty. Um, anything you ever want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more on this show. Don't be shy. If home prices fall next, will stocks follow? Or is it the stock market the leading indicator? On a regular basis on this show, I remind you that Wall Street is looking six months down the road with the stock market. And right now it's telling us six months down the road, the economy is going to be in a a much suckier position. But that's six months down the road. The bond market is telling us this quantitative tightening is, is killing us. The housing market is a lagging indicator, not a leading. Morgan Stanley recently said it expects the housing market to drop by 7% between now and December 2023. That may not seem like a lot, but it would be the second largest decline in housing prices since the Great Depression. That's not going to be great for the stock market. It's not going to be the end of the stock market. The end of the stock market, oh, no, let's not say that. The stock market's already telling us there's problems coming down the road. Now, in 2006, 2007, 2008, real estate prices came down. And if you go to Zillow, you'll see this. You can look at the history of your home if you're concerned. I think Redfin does it as well, but I'm pretty sure Zillow is pretty easy to look at. And you can take a look at how your home fared in good markets and bad markets for as much information as they ultimately have. The housing market is going to be a thing. If you're looking to sell at the top dollar, I'm not going to say do it now. I'd consider it though. Um, if you're looking for the top, ugh, let's keep talking about housing. A lot of people want to do it perfectly. Affordability is already challenged. It's exposing would-be homeowners to an increasing rent environment that erodes their ability to save for down payment. If that were to be combined with increasing unemployment, you could imagine a scenario in which existing home sales continue to outpace to the downside. If you're renting and interested in buying a house, the upside of falling prices is that you're going to be able to find your dream home for less The downside of falling home prices is that your carrying costs will be higher due to increased mortgage rates. 
So for the renter, the savings are fleeting. It's a really kind of a double whammy right now, higher interest rates and falling prices. For the mortgage-free homeowner who doesn't plan on moving, their circumstances won't change much. The household that's been considering refinancing won't nearly be as enthusiastic in the process. Refinance applications fell by 18% year over year. So there's no reason to refi or, or very, very little reason to refi right now. If you've fallen asleep and you have a mortgage at 12% for whatever reason, yeah, you might want to refi, but very few other. Applications for refinance down 18%. It's all but dried up. Whether you're a renter or a homeowner, now is not a good time to be making long-term decisions. Current environment for rising interest rates since stock prices lower, falling home prices, high inflation. It's a triple whammy, is it not? One minute. Empiric- empirically, it's been shown that home prices do not influence stock prices. I think it's the other way around that stock prices influence home prices. During the Great Recession, which officially lasted 19 months from December 2007 through June of 2009. U.S. household wealth fell by approximately $16.4 trillion. You know how much it fell here in this first quarter of the year? $65 trillion. Thanks, Chuck. No one is predicting that home prices will fall anywhere near 30% at this time. It's important that you realize what your home has done in the past. If you're uncomfortable seeing valuations go lower, check out Zillow, punch in your address, take a look at how I did in 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009. You'll get an idea of what's possible. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Two headlines grabbed my attention this morning. United has added a new transatlantic flight for summer of 2023 in a bet on travel recovery. This past summer, right before school started, I had to watch some of my friends go on vacation to Europe because I've got my dog 0110110. It's tough to go on two-week vacations, and it's tough to go to Europe unless you're going at least 10 days to get bang for your buck for that $1,000 ticket across the ocean. United has added new transatlantic flights for summer 2023 and a bet on travel. Very profitable uh, flights. United said Europe travel this summer was up 20% from 2019 levels. So now the whole, what does the economy look like before COVID, during COVID, post COVID is starting to play true. We're up 20% from 2019 pre-COVID. That tells you there's a lot of demand and that's a lot of inflation. United plans to add routes like San Francisco to Rome and Newark to Dubai. Aircraft delays and staffing shortages have hampered airline schedules this year. So whatever United can muster up, they're saying, let's go with that profitable flights. 
United says it's going to fly to 37 cities in Europe, Africa, and in India, Middle East. A total, it said, is more than other U.S. airlines combined. It will also bring back destinations, including nonstop flights from Newark Liberty into Stockholm. There's been a slower rebound in business travel. And other issues still loom over the demand for 2023. London's Heathrow Airport warned Tuesday that travel demand is uncertain. Delta Airlines is ramping up service to Europe as well for next spring and summer, growing its transatlantic capacity by 8% from 2022. So, okay, you're seeing above 2019 levels, aggressively above. Now, what's the other headline that is it's dueling with today? Wholesale prices. The PPI, the Produced Price Index, increased four-tenths of 1% for September compared with the Dow Jones' expectation of two-tenths. So we wanted a less inflationary number, and guess what? We got a more inflationary number or a more persistent inflationary number this morning. That's right. Again, like last Friday on the jobs report, a lot of us said, what if the economy stays hot and we keep creating jobs? Market get, got smacked in the face is what happens. So typically, I'm not going to say I'm all but certain at this point, but I'm all but certain at this point that until something dramatic happens with the PPI or the CPI, and they are connected, producers tend to want to pass prices on to consumers. As the producer goes, uh, we want to make our money. Let's pass it on to the consumers. If they want it, demand's heavy. Let's pass on the buck. The producer price index, a measure of prices that U.S. businesses get for their goods and services that they produce, increased four-tenths of a percent for the month on a 12-month basis, which is probably way more important. The PPI rose 8.5%, which is a slight deceleration from 8.7% in August. That ain't going to cut it. If you're looking for a reason to buy, that's not it. The Fed has responded by raising interest rates five times this year for a total of three percentage points. Do you remember this time last year we were saying they're going to raise not 300 basis points. They're going to raise 75 basis points this year. And they're doing 75 basis points per raise. So not only did they get the transitory inflation wrong, and I guess we all did on some levels, right? Because we believed them. But they started off with these little 25 basis point rate hike cuts. And yeah, uh, rate hikes, not cuts, excuse me. And uh, now they've, they've loaded the bazooka with 75 at a time, 75 at a time, 75 at a time. Wednesday data shows the Fed still has a lot of work to do. So now we move to turn the page to tomorrow's CPI. Um, The PPI comes a day ahead of the much more closely watched CPI, the consumer price index. The two measures differ in the PPI measures the prices received at the wholesale level, while CPI gauges the price that consumers pay. Two thirds of the increase in the PPI was attributed to a four tenths percent gain in services. A big factor was a 6.4% jump in prices received for traveler accommodation services. 
which ties back into that first story about traveling and how much demand there is. If you were to go down to the final goods on prices, they rose four tenths of a percent, pushed by a fifteen point seven percent advance in the cost of fresh and dry vegetables. I'm telling you, finance gets really wonky, doesn't it? Demand for riskier home loans is high right now as interest rates are soaring. One of the stories that we've been telling throughout the last year is, yes, the housing market is overpriced and needs to cool off. But now what we're seeing is if a loan gets done, it's typically a little bit riskier of a loan. The average contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage with a conforming loan balance has increased to 6.81% from 6.75%. Mortgage applications to purchase a home fell 2% for the week and were 39% lower than a year ago level. Mortgage demand is dropping as rates climb higher. A lot of individuals are going for what are called ARMS, an adjustable rate mortgage. Typically, you hear 5-1 ARMS or a 7-1 ARM, <clears throat> which has a fixed rate. If 5-1 has a fixed rate for five years. It's at about 5.5% right now, so well lower than the third year. But you're going to have to do a mortgage in five years when that adjustable rate mortgage balloons. <clears throat> so you're no longer servicing debt for five years. One minute. You're serv- well, yeah, you are, but you that ends at five years. And, and before the end of that, you need a new new mortgage. Higher overall rates crushed refinance demand even further with applications off 2% for the week and down 86% from year earlier levels. So it's all kind of tying together right now. <clears throat> And the area where I'm concerned are the people that are buying homes now. And if they lose their job, that's going to create a problem. Because people are stretching to get into mortgages and they're hoping prices continue to go higher. Bad combination. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Now back to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Markets have opened after getting what we don't want. The producer price index showing more inflation. Persistent inflation. Um, The S&P 500 is down fractionally. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down fractionally. One quarter of 1%. The NASDAQ down fractionally. We've seen a lot of selling in September and into October. Any rally that we've had has been met with more inflation data, more inflation news, more Fed Reserve speaks and inflation is not acceptable. Now we move into earnings season. And that's going to be a whole nother show. So in a big one at that um, earnings season for the fourth quarter, this is third quarter reporting. So fourth quarter reports probably in January is the right way of looking at that. But equity futures fell from their highs following that PPI number. So we're still responding in the last 30 minutes to a bounce back from oversold conditions. But oh no, it's also on top of a PPI number that was 
not desirable. Producer price inflation shows inflation is sticking at levels that will pressure profit margins and stoke concerns about negative pass-through effects to the consumer. You've seen corporations at this point in time say, yes, we're paying more for goods. Let's resize what we're selling to the consumer. Instead of a 12-ounce soda, let's sell an 11-ounce soda. Instead of a one-pound bag of cereal, let's sell a three-quarters of a pound bag of cereal for the same exact price. It's inflationary, but at least psychologically, people feel like they're getting getting away with it, but they're not. So we're dealing with that today. Where did the 10-year treasury go, by the way? I saw the two-year note. The two-year note's sitting at 4.32. I do kind of want to see this. Sorry, um, this is a personal fascination that I should have done during the commercial break. Bitcoin's at 19,000. That's interesting. I don't know if you can see how my head slowly works. Tenure Treasury sits at 3.96. Yeah, we're not getting really. I got a note yesterday from my online bank that they've increased how much they're paying for banking up to 3%. So they've jumped their rate from 2.5% to 3%. So I moved some more cash into my 3% cash. Now I'm looking at bonds at 4% as I like that for the long term, as long as inflation shuts down in the short term. If the Fed is going to raise interest rates, and one of the things that they're saying is we're going to keep raising until we see inflation break, and then we're going to maintain them at higher levels for a longer period of time than you want us to. My cash has to work for me. My stocks have to work for me on some levels. I do understand down years, but I have to see good earnings, good management, savvy management. In down times, I want to see corporations buy back shares and or announce plans for how they're going to navigate in the future. The IMF yesterday said the worst is yet to come for the global economy. Take that seriously. I know you're like, we are one bullet shot away on Putin from a relief rally. I think that's true. I think if Putin were to go down, resign, get taken out, I, I think there would be a big rally. Um, but inflation would still be problematic. So we would come back to that inflation. In the end, I think during good economies, it's all about the jobs numbers. And I think in bad economies, it's all about the inflation numbers is how we're going to look at it today. And I'm going to stick with that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, Amazon is now cutting cost. What's interesting to note about Amazon cutting cost is under Jeff Bezos, they were known as a company that would not necessarily cut costs, but increase cost to buy growth. Now, Andy Jassy, CEO of Amazon, he was CEO of Amazon Web Services, is speaking about the need to cut costs with three quarters in the book. It's clear that 2022 for Amazon looks very different than the first quarter century as a public company. Company's second Prime Day sale of the year started on Tuesday. It ends today. It's going to give you a glimpse into the challenges that Amazon is facing. 
Um, Jeff Bezos in his very, very, very first shareholder letter, which if you've never read shareholders letters, I highly recommend you do get the annual report and you can go find annual reports online. There's services that will mail them to you. You can get the digital version of them, which is probably the proper thing to do because I don't think you're going to be keeping the annual report as long-term reading. But um, Jeff Bezos made it very clear. We're going to lose money for a long period of time. He said, quote, we will continue to make investment decisions in light of the long-term market leadership considerations rather than the short-term profitability considerations or short-term Wall Street restrictions. Um, And the rest is history, 25 up years, dominant. Andy Jacy now is like, we're more of a mature of a company. And we need to understand frugality, which is interesting. It's nice. Amazon has shut down this year its telehealth service. It's discontinued a quirky video calling projector for kids. It's closed all but one of its U.S. call centers. It's axed its roving delivery robot. It's shut down its underperforming brick-and-mortar chains. It's closing or canceling or delaying new warehouse locations. Amazon has also considered drastically reducing the size of its secretive Skunk Works Lab Grand Challenge. On the recruiting front, Amazon is in a hiring freeze for corporate roles in its retail business. At last month's annual hardware event, which normally showcases a roster of gadgets and robots that may or may not still be around in a year or two, was noticeably constrained. So I'm not saying that Amazon's pulling all hands on the deck. We have to cut costs, but it sure looks like it. You're seeing similar tech giants like Meta and Alphabet cutting costs as well, reflecting a challenging macro environment. Um, So Meta and Google are trimming costs right now. Now, Amazon's also been on a buying spree which is interesting to note. They picked up one medical for $3.9 billion. They picked up the iRobot Roomba. Um, the iRobot Maker Roomba is the right way of saying that, for about $1.7 billion. They picked up a Belgian warehouse robotics company called Klustermans for an undisclosed amount. The company also said it would spend about a billion over the next year on wage increases and expanded benefits for frontline workers. It plans to hire 150,000 employees to help manage the holiday rush. Those aren't long-term positions. They're short-term holiday positions. But they're belt tightening. You want to see that. Again, one of the things that I want to see, and this is very uncomfortable to say out loud, producer price index didn't come down the way we wanted it today. That's a Homer Simpson dough. Tomorrow, the consumer price index is not going to come down as fast as we want it to. That's going to be another dough. What I want to see happen is job cuts rise. And so far, what I'm seeing is Amazon is engineering intelligently less spending, but we're not hearing about corporate layoffs. We're hearing about corporate hiring freezes. Now, I don't expect Amazon to lead the the parade of layoffs. I still don't. But it would be nice. But it's not going to happen. So it's going to happen elsewhere in the economy, in my opinion, if we're going to get to where we want to get. That's how the Fed has to break something, in my opinion. 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. One of the things we should talk about, and maybe I'll save the longer version of this for next, but we're going to see one of the biggest trends of intergenerational wealth. $68 trillion is set to reshape the economy. This is something that I want you to be very aware of. Um, in the next five years, we're likely to start seeing one of the greatest transfers of intergenerational wealth. It's estimated upon their deaths, the silent generation, the baby boomers will transfer between $30 trillion to $68 trillion to their adult children. My mother passed away last year, and I'm getting a big check. It's nice. Um, it's a sizable amount of money for my four, my five siblings. For me, it's okay. I'm the most financially successful out of us, but they're getting life-changing money. We're going to see when our parents die off, and my parents died off probably before your parents died off. Because everyone my own age, they still have a parent or two alive. Both my parents are gone. That sucks. But $30 trillion to $68 trillion is coming into and going to reshape our economy. Best thing I can advise you to do is get financially literate. I've got five siblings of which I can tell you three are financially literate, two are financially stupid and will retard their growth. If financially speaking, they could take that asset that my mother's passing on to them from my mother's and father's estate, and they could grow it, but they're going to blow it. Financial literacy is super important. Know how to keep that asset around on your side of the fence. Don't give it over to the other side of the fence and have nothing left. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. It gets kind of complicated when you're talking about profitability on Wall Street. Let's talk about a couple things we're going to see in the next 30 days, and I want you to pay attention if you can. I'm not going to be doing this forever. I think financial literacy is critically important. I think you're going to probably come into some money in your life. I don't want you to blow it. I don't want you to set your hopes too high for a quick turnaround on Wall Street. It's a series of small events that's going to happen. Earnings is one, are one of them. And this is an earnings season where you're going to see negatives, not positives. And you're going to see flat out line nah, manipulation. You're going to see flat out manipulation of what you're shown. We've seen an incredibly strong dollar. Right now is the time to use your dollar to go buy real estate in the UK. If you want to get a discount, now is the time to do it. Does it get worse? Probably not much worse. No one in the in their right mind is going to say, yeah, that strong dollar is all because the United States has got fiscal uh, uh, understanding of economic concepts finally. Instead of trillions of dollars debt, trillions of dollars debt, trillions of dollars debt, the United States is paying off their debt. Nope. You're not going to see a strong dollar last. So right now, if you want it to, you'd be buying international assets on that strong dollar because you get more bang for your buck. Now, if you're selling an iPhone in London, you have to raise the price. Otherwise, the, the strong dollar, it's, it's being discounted. And when you turn it, the euro or the pound back into the dollar. So what you're going to see 
in this quarter is the move in FX, foreign exchange currency. You're going to see a lot of corporations announce in regular terms, but will undoubtedly emphasize their performance and on a constant currency basis. And that constant currency basis is it's made up because it's not constant. It's if all things were the same, if the dollar didn't move so much this quarter, we would have had a lovely quarter. But the reality is that the strong dollar helps keep prices of imports down. Inflation in the U.S. remains near four-decade highs. The Consumer Price Index report could deliver another blow to the S&P 500. That's coming out tomorrow. If that reading tops 8.3%, I would expect the stock market to sell off 5%, so says the trading desk at J.P. Morgan. So the strong dollar, you're going to see a lot of BS in the next 30 days from corporations saying, yes, here are our earnings, but they would have been this magical number. Be careful. Let's talk about how not just Fed policy can muck things up. Let's talk about how our Labor Department can muck things up. DoorDash, Lyft, and Uber all fell aggressively yesterday after the Labor Department unveiled a proposal on how companies classify workers. It ultimately means the worker is a winner. Instead of being a contractor and not getting your health care paid for or even offered, DoorDash, Lyft, and Uber are going to have to say, we have to play, we have to call you employees, W2. We have to give you those benefits. We have to pay part of your social security. And that means a big win for labor. And a big win for labor means higher wages. Or what it will mean is DoorDash, Lyft, and Uber, if they want to stay as profitable as they were using contract workers, they're going to have to raise the rates for me and you, which is inflation. Now, here's where it sucks. We want the lowest prices as a nation. I've bought my pairs of Nikes that I've worn for 40 years from Nike. And over those 40 years, they used to be made in the United States, then they were made in Japan, then they were made in China. China has the low-cost labor. And in the end, I'm like, me, cheap shoes versus low-cost labor? Let's keep the low-cost labor in place. If Nike had to make my shoes in the United States, they'd be $200 a pair instead of $119 a pair. So with DoorDash, Lyft, and Uber yesterday all getting hit, the reality is Rob's going to have to pay more to have his fat butt driven around or have food brought to his door. And I don't have that fat of a butt for the record. Played soccer growing up and 20 years of running, pretty good shaped, craft muscular in my legs. Um, but that's too much information. So DoorDash, Lyft, and Uber all got hit yesterday. And the reality is if I want a cheap ride, that means we're going to have to have cheap labor. And I don't care the guy who's driving me if he has a, a healthcare plan or not. I don't care. Except for we do kind of care as a society. <laughs> and we want him to be able to buy my house one day because someone has to. Otherwise, it's a house of cards, right? It's not a house that you live in. It's a house of cards. In theory, I need a school teacher to afford my neighborhood so that school teachers live in my neighborhood so that kids move into my neighborhood and the dad is a lawyer and moves in the neighborhood and has a wife and they make four kids, 4.2 kids. 
you kind of want everyone to win in a utopian world, but in a profitable capitalist society, you're like, yeah, this whole Biden administration is going to make it a pain in the butt. Rob wants his cheap ride. Rob can't have both. There are no right answers. There's just compromises when it comes to economics. So the proposed rule would base the determination on whether to classify a worker as a contractor or employee on a broad assessment, such as if the gig work is integral part of the company's business. That could ease the way of reclassifying drivers from independent contractors to full-scale employees. So Uber can no longer say, yeah, he's just a contractor. He can work his own schedule whenever he wants. But the truth is Uber goes out of business if they don't have drivers, right? The companies have long argued that contractor classification is more attractive for drivers and often point to the benefit of flexible schedules. Labor advocates, however, say the practice is merely an attempt at keeping the company costs low and prevent workers from unionizing or qualifying for employer health care. So, yeah, the Federal Reserve can mess up economies, but so can the federal government. It, it's, a, it's a process to get to the next day. With that said, I've had more conversations with friends in the last week. They hear Jamie Dimon say there's another leg down coming if the CPI number's too hot on Thursday and people get nervous. I get it. When Jamie Dimon talks, Rob Black listens. Are you going to be okay if there's another leg down? Are you in retirement? If you are, talk to your financial planner. If you're not, you don't mind another leg down if you're still working. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.